Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mass side story. Woo! Yes. Fairy tales! The fated tales. <laughs> All together, and it feels so good. Now in the nightmare realm of Ling. Yay! Because that's where we all want to be. You ever, you ever just go around a, a, a sand dune and just end up in the nightmare realm of Ling, you know? Apparently. Like start up for some really bad stand-up. I mean, yes. usually only if you're dead, because, you know, that's kind of what happened in Beetlejuice. He went to the nightmare realm of Ling? <laughs> that's what I imagine where the sandworms live. <laughs> Jessica's mind is blown know. right now. You should see the look on her face. <laughs> Quick, we need to roll a knowledge check on if sandworms exist in the Nightmare Realm of Lane. And they love crafty mythos. They're called bowls. Hey! <laughs> Do they have spice? So it sounds like our Beetlejuice Dune Pathfinder mm. crossover is go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just a thing. Anyway. We haven't actually looked outside yet. It could be far worse than we're imagining. I think I'm it so will excited. Be. The pyramid's now flying. Or the, the sanctuary that we're in is not flying. Okay, if it's flying, I give up. Every pyramid can't fly here, okay? <laughs> Dang you, Shiori. Every pyramid flies, up... no pyramid's special. Well, we were mm -hmm. in the middle of a battle last time, I think, is how we started. Um, Sagira's group. It's true. Least, when last we had left our heroes, the two portions of this group, having uh, not been split because they'd never been united. <laughs> <laughs> The civilized bros and the chaos crew yep. had joined together in a uh, a grand battle, and by that I mean four people had quadruple moved for a couple of rounds, <laughs> and the other four people had taken on a pair of uh, alchemical golems. That's true. I think Ross shot an arrow once. I did. He did shoot I did one arrow. Some damage, and That's identified true. them, and identified them, which I think was useful for uh, at the very Punch least it. one of your new compatriots. Punch it. Yep, yep, because then I switched to my adamantine. Following the battle, uh, you had had a brief opportunity to speak with one another, Falto and Segura being familiar with one another, and no one else being familiar whatsoever with any of the people on the other side of either of the groups. Nope. Nope. I made a deal with Falto to watch each other's back around all these weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only a little bit of a weirdo. It's fine. Wolf is very weird. Well, mm. Segura brought the weirdos, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> So now our group, newly together, consisting of Sigura, Falto, Isra, Wolf slash Swirling Abyss, Valmir, formerly the Asp, Planchette, Robert, Isaac, and Jean-Louis. So many. Really too many. You're about to get a masterclass in why. very full party. This mm -hmm. is the masterclass in why you don't do eight people in a party. Yep. <laughs> Little did you know, this was the most requested question on our FAQ. <laughs> How? What's the maximum number of people you can have in a people party? People do ask. They're like, "What's the ideal party size?" It's not eight. No. Four or five. That's the that's the idea. Yeah. Four or five. Somewhere. Four point five. Four point five. With like a familiar animal companion as the point five. That's the point five. However, uh, after having defeated the twin alchemical golems, they were twins, as well as the high priest, not to be described. Well, the high priest pieced out. Yes. Yeah, they ran. Uh, you had had a brief discussion. I believe in the meantime, uh, I can only imagine while Sagira and Falto were having their aside off to the side, talking to one another in hushed tones. Sagira concerned about, you know, all these new people here and how much you can trust them and all the rest of that. Falto concerned about, if I asked her, would Citra say yes? <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say, Falto has his uh, priority straight. And yep. Sagira's like, I gotta keep this idiot alive. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pin a note to his shirt that says, you're welcome, so that when he sees Citra again, <laughs> he no, won't ever find it. No, no but he's I not that observant it. either. <laughs> oh. He's probably just gonna hide it in one of his pockets or something, and he'll just like find it one day. Or I'll put it somewhere hills. really weird. I'll be like, first of all, Citra, why are you looking in here? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Citra wouldn't. She's not a, she's not nosy like that. I believe. So, uh, let's face it, it's an armor that would find it. Yeah, it's an armor yes. that would find it. But Sagira doesn't know about armor. That's true. That also, true. I was looking at all your stuff, and anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is look important? It just throws it away. <laughs> Rude. But I think uh, Jean Louis was also doing some healing for everyone. Did yep, you already yes. take care of all that? I healed yes. people. Yay! Off Insert healy sounds here, but like in a flashback, like Batman. 
Or flash forward sometimes. I believe we had kind of grouped together and we're about to figure out if we really were in the nightmare realm like the priest seemed to imply before he mm-hmm. or she ran away. Yeah, I'm going it, to assume in yeah. the uh, the interim while uh, Sigur and Falta were having their quick discussion, the rest of you had a quick rundown of like, yeah, we showed up here, we did this stuff, basically the events that happened in episode two of which Ross and... Jordan were not aware of, and mm-hmm. the events that happened in episode one, of which Rachel, Jessica, and Heather were not aware of. Yep. And more or less that, yeah, we kind of did the same investigation you did, although we came to two different approaches to how we're going to get in here, and then uh, you know, you guys fought this weird cultist and alchemical golems, and we fought a trio of denizens of Ling, one of which also escaped. Uh, I yeah. think somebody would make you aware of that as well. Mm. It is based off of circumstantial evidence, but I believe... We've arrived to another plane of existence. No, we should probably make our way out and double check. Did we already search this room? I have not, but I could take a look. I think we've searched this room for anything useful or expensive. Yeah, we can do that. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Alto smiles, nods. With eight of us, this should take no time at all. True. That's true. Go ahead and activate my wayfinder, too. Give us an extra bit of light. Okay, I rolled an 11, 20... Oh, I guess I'll cast light on myself now. 28 to look around. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I can potentially get above 28, but not when I roll a 1. Uh, so that's Ouch. an 18. Abyss rolls a perfect uh, 20, which gets her a 32. Dang! Okay. Wasting those 20s early. I know, right? Hey, I got my 1 out of the way. Now time for more 1s. That's the way I think of it. Woo! <laughs> One what brigade go. Report. Uh, Planchette <laughs> rolled a 17 for a 30. Okay. Wow. Scouring this room, as you are wont to do, <laughs> the chamber is badly damaged, most likely from the massive fight that you guys just had and ex- sort of exploding bits of alchemical reagents. Half of this are things that you would be least tangentially aware of. And that, you know, this looks like alchemical equipment. These are beakers. These are filters. These are vials. These are burners. Yeah, we came from the drug making gang. We know what alchemical I was going to say, you guys, like. Like, all the people in the faded are like, mm-hmm. Yep, seen Very that. Very well aware. Crucible yep. had that in his room, yes. Crucible will be losing his crap right now. Yeah. A wolf is probably... Abyss is probably like, why isn't the creepy guy here? He would know what all this crap is. <laughs> None of us want him to be here, though. It's true. He was not a pleasant traveling companion. Be perfect for my new movie, The Creeping Man. <laughs> the other half of the objects in here are bizarre in the extreme. Some of them seem to be magical. Although, again, they seem to be magical in that they were probably used as a combination of, with a combination of other things. In an odd sort of way, it looks like many of these pipes, tubings, and such were literally filtered through the golems. As if when the golems rose up and stepped forward, they broke themselves free of these apparatuses that had held them and actually used them as a concentrating magical agent. Hmm. So the, they were batteries until they were alchemical golems? It seems like, or if they weren't batteries, they were at the very least something more akin to a, maybe the easiest way to phrase it would be a a literal filter, as in like a strainer, as if they were taking something and then straining out an element of it and then allowing it to continue through. Nope. Mm-mm, don't like that. Seems weird. Uh, the only other odd thing that you would find is that everything in here is slightly cold to the touch. There are, in essence, uh, four masterwork alchemical sets. So there's that. Meh. Hooray. Yeah, they're very, they're very heavy. It's something large, yes. <laughs> In addition to that, there is a strange object. It doesn't appear to be magical. And yet touching it, it seems to hum. Not an audible hum, but a soft vibration. Almost a abyss picks this up and holds it in her hand. You can almost only describe it as a purring. What does it look like? Is it like a stone is or is it, yeah. Is it... <laughs> it appears to be a box. Uh-oh, it seems boxes. to have an indeterminate number of sides. Hey, another box with sides. And that if you're mm. looking at it from the top, it looks to have 13 sides. But if you're looking at it from the bottom, it appears to have 11. It's hard to tell where you're missing the side. Despite it giving you a distinct impression of being, quote, box-like, as much as that makes sense. There's no obvious hinge. 
It looks like somehow the top folds open. I found a strange box. We can add it to the box pile of weird boxes. The and sides items. don't add up, and I don't see a hinge, but it's, it's definitely a box. Hmm. A pair to our strange rock. Sides don't add up. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. I mean, it could be extra plein air. The rules are different there. It would not be uncommon this far from the material plane for geometry to not add up. Non-Euclidean geometry, you say? Oh yes. boy. <laughs> does it? Do I get? Does my trap sense go off when I'm messing with this? Does it feel like it's a trap? Like if I opened it, something a trap would spring or anything? Do you have trap spotter? Yes. Mm, no. I'm gonna try to open it. Opening this. Pandora, no. <laughs> the other sides come spewing out at you. As you open the box, where is everyone else in relationship to Wolf? I'm oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even try to look for stuff, so I assume I'm still where I am. I'm probably standing nearby, because I did suggest adding it to the pile of boxes, essentially, that we've yeah. started to accumulate of weirdness. When she yeah. mentioned this, finding a weird box, I probably would have gone over to see what it was. I was going to say, you're learned. Yeah. Planchette is a weirdo, so she's probably just standing off by herself making comments, talking to her spirit friends. Mm-hmm. Very well. You press on the top of this. After trying to fill around for a latch release on the sides, after trying to fill around on the top of this, the bottom of it, you press down on the top of this, and it springs open. Like, literally springs open. There's an audible click sound as it springs back. Oh, no, it's Light the box. floods out of this. Huh. Inside, you can hear the soft popping sound. And as you look, tiny little wisps float up into the air. Small crackling lights. Beyond that, there's just a strange sensation for you, Abyss, as you stare down at this. You smell something old, musty almost. This smell of dried incense tickles something in the back of your mind that just reminds you of the necropolis at Wati, sitting on a cold, dusty stone floor and listening to the story of your elders as they talked of the time of old and learning to read the markings on the wall. Uh, anyone that wishes to may make me a perception roll. Yep. Is that including me, or am I too entranced you may as well. by the box? <laughs> nope, it just reminds you. I rolled a 19 for a 32. I rolled a 13 for a 20. A uh, 12 for a 24. The 3 for a 16. <laughs> mm. I rolled a 14 for a 31. Dang. Hawkeye. All of you. You look over to notice that Isra has stepped back. Uh oh. Her ears flatten down, and you can see their teeth pull back, although she doesn't growl. She simply shies away from Wolf. I think you should close the box. Abyss will close the box. I trust animal instincts more than people's. Shigura looks at Wolf. What? Are you possessed by a ghost? I don't think so. Hmm. Curious device. I uh, will allow anyone that wishes to to make me an old nature. Oh, I have that. Ranger. I roll a 17 for a 28. Also go ahead and roll for Robert. Does Robert have lore, like, Cthulhu shenanigans? He has bardic knowledge, which includes a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. He gets a roll on everything. Sagara glancing down towards Isra, the only thing that springs to your mind is it didn't seem to have been directed at Wolf so much as at the moment that box opened. The light didn't scare or surprise her, but you are aware that many animals can hear things imperceptible to people. Hmm. Robert makes his way over, looking over the box. How big is it? Uh, the box is approximately eight inches across. So it's a little larger than the six inch across box that you're that Sagira's now carrying since Robert has handed it over. Mm. So put that box in this box. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We could just stack boxes and boxes. I, I box don't know if we should do that. I don't believe it was alarmed. Robert nods. I would have detected it when I was looking for magical auras. It could, however, be some sort of object used by the cult. There are wisps and sparks coming out of it, yes? Light shows. Correct. Falto strokes his chin before nodding. Didn't... Sorry, it's been a couple of hours. Didn't we hear something about 
dancing lights taking the sparks out of people. Oh dear. That oh, you memory. think we have found this box that does this? We saw a lot of people with oddly blank expressions. It's very true. So well, you I think these sparks are more literal? Unless we just release the people's sparks, which I guess we could have. I don't think that Abyss is missing a spark. She looks normal to me. Valmir like leans in, looks into your eyes. My solid black orbs that, you know. <laughs> as black and empty as always. Uh, thank you. <laughs> she kind of quirks an eyebrow. <laughs> Didn't say it was a bad thing. <laughs> right, well. Wolf will slip the box into her bag. Perhaps we can figure out some way to release the trapped essences or whatever they are later. We'll take it with us just in case we need it. It had a smell. A smell of what? It made me think of the necropolis back when I was still with my people. Hmm. Spirits, Speaking of undead, which, not necropolis. to be indelicate, Miss Abyss. <laughs> that rhymed. Wait, <laughs> I thought people did not live in your necropolis. People in the traditional sense don't. How do you know so much about Wati? I asked around. We spent a short time there when we met up with Citra and Hollis and uh, Masika and Sudi. Oh, good. Sudi's still alive. Yep. Still has one eye. Ah. Well, I mean, he still at least has one. Yeah, true. <laughs> there was a little judge. He took an eye. It was a whole thing. Leave it to Falto yep. to be like, yeah, well, he's still got one, though. I mean, right? I That's wasn't there to help him. Positive. I was uh, saved my girlfriend from ghosts. I was there, and it was horrible. We almost won that legal case, though. Interesting sure. life you lead, but... um. This sounds like something that would be better discussed at another time when we are maybe back on the material plane. Yeah, the law in Osirian's a little harsh. Hmm. Well, he was an undead judge. It's a whole thing. Okay, so should we go outside? Hmm. Yes. We won't find out much else from this room. Yes. Well, we came in through a window, so I imagine there's a front door somewhere. We ran uh, across the courtyard and came in from this way. Mm-hmm. We can show you the way. Sure. Yep. I'm keeping my sword out, though. Yeah, I, I think we all probably are, are having our weapons out. Yes, yeah. But the disguises we had were rudimentary at best, and I don't think they're going to work anymore, so... Ha, I'm pretty sure cover is blown, my friend. Yes. And the rest of us don't have disguises? Well, we all kind of wear black anyway. It's a good color. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. It is good um, for being sneaky, yes. So, were, were, was there not a big crowd in here with you? Oh, there was. They split and allowed us to be attacked by the denizens of Lang. So do you think they got pulled along? I, I say this as we're walking, I guess, toward this door. I did not hear their footsteps behind us, so no. Hmm. Suddenly just the room just gets crushed with people. Robert nods, the older Pathfinder looking out the door as you begin to approach it. If they fled off into the desert, they may be in just as bad of condition as if they'd stayed. We should expect that things here won't make perfect sense. Yeah, when does anything make sense? More in that if we are where I think we are, where we all seem to believe we are, we will be dealing with things that are usually figurative, being literal. When you say this, can you give an example? The spark in someone's eyes is a figurative statement. However, if that is considered to be a person's driving force of personality, then it is something that could be literally taken and contained. If oh. Miss Abyss, was it? Yes. Charming. If Miss Abyss said that she smelled something that reminded her of her childhood, the box could literally contain things that trigger nostalgia or happier memories, if you will. Like honey to draw in flies. Perhaps. Or perhaps if it takes away a person's caring. For some people, that amount of, that nihilistic viewpoint could be quite appealing in a world that says harsh as Osirian can be at times. Now what if you already have that outlook? <laughs> <laughs> then I suppose it does not work on you. Well, that's one thing in our favor. <laughs> then I think you will be quite safe, Miss Abyss. I have a bit of a dreadful feeling, though. What was being strained into those things? Perhaps that. Or something else, but we will not know because we do not know this uh, alchemy. 
It is the strange thing with the creatures that we're dealing with. They do not operate on the same processes as we do. They do not eat. They do not sleep. They don't technically even dream, if you will. Although that could be debated, and some of them can be more physical than others. However, what they consist of, what they wish, is inscrutable. The main thing you need to know is whether or not it bleeds. Oh, you can definitely kill them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were able to do some damage to the denizens outside. Yes, we slew two of them. Many of these creatures can, in fact, be killed. Some are in a state in which death has no meaning, to my understanding. It does not mean we can't stop them, however. Wait, they work retail? Yes. (laughs) Stepping outside, the air is cool. It blows in through the open door as you step free out into this. At first, it's hard to tell. Initially, it looks much like the place that, well, initially, it looks much like Osirian. The sand, however, is pale, not from the silvery moonlight, but even in the bright lights of your wayfinders and light spells, the sand has taken on almost this white shade. As you step free, soft drifts of snow fall down around you, although extending your hand or sticking open your mouth and sticking out your tongue, whichever you prefer. Hand. Hand. I eat the snow. Grasping one of the falling flakes and rubbing it between your fingertips. It appears to be ash. Called that. <laughs> yep, I was like, Called ash or bone? Say, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be ash, yeah. This is Silent Hill up in here. You know, that that would make sense. I could see like the, the Nightmare Realm being the Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Mm. Coming up next, our fight with Pyramid Head. This rains down from an open sky. A sky seemingly full of clouds. Although none of these clouds block the light from the wane green moon that hangs low in the sky. There is an odd distant sound like singing or screaming. Mm. Why not both? Mm. That seems to echo out and is carried on the winds over the walls towards your right and left. Four large pillars stand in this open courtyards, supporting two lintels which stretch between the two of them. Ten smaller pillars stand in two rows of five, making their way towards the open door exiting from this place. Other than that, it's quiet. A massive statue of what was probably once Anubis stands behind you. All of the features of this statue, however, have been worn away to give it a a roughly canine appearance, but is otherwise faceless. Now that we're outside, can I make some sort of check to like, I don't know, look at the stars or essentially corroborate that we're not on Galarian anymore? Uh, what do you get taking 10 on survival? Ah, survival. Uh, 20. The stars are not right. Well, I don't suppose leaving and wandering around is the best plan. Doubtful. We can see if the way that we got in here is still open. Hopefully it's a portal. Do we even know how this happened? How we ended up in another dimension. I'm curious if it was limited to the building. If Planchette has a good point, Valmir says, looking back over towards the rest of you, this didn't happen at the the Fane. Mm-hmm. Things were weird there, but it didn't happen like this. Well, and also all of us came here, and we went around the bend. We did not notice the ash or anything until I looked up at the sky and saw the moon was their own color. I wonder okay. if it happened when the priest left. Maybe he didn't just teleport away. Maybe he shifted the whole place. Or maybe it was the act of stepping inside. Yeah. You make your way forward. Step out from inside of the temple's walls. Step outside. Any signs of tracks from the literally scores of people you came here with are gone. Two bodies lay in the drifts of ash and sand. A simple path makes its way forward between two rows of sphinxes. Small sphinxes about five feet across, ten feet long. Maybe about seven feet at the shoulder, counting the pedestals that they sit on. These lead down to a set of steps which descends down towards the edge of the river. Or at the very least, a small tributary here. Oddly, though, the water here doesn't flow. It just sits stagnant. Yeah. 
I figure Planchette walks over to one of the bodies and, like, grabs its arm and starts just moving it so that she can sit where it died. Very well. I thought you were going to say waving his arm around. I mean, she <laughs> might have done that, too. She's weird, Hey, guys, but, I'm uh, a denizen of Lang. How are you today? <laughs> don't mind me. Like, Planchette, please don't desecrate the body. Did you uh, already check them for anything interesting they might have in their pockets? Anything helpful? No. We heard the explosion and came directly toward you. Okay, Sagira will rifle through their pockets. Maybe they have a convenient journal or note. Hey. Does the terrain outside match the terrain from when we came from on, or is it just the temple here in the middle of the desert? Uh, go ahead and make me an intelligence roll, since you ask. Can I make a knowledge geography? That's much higher. Yeah, sure. Go ahead and give me a knowledge geography, since uh, you asked so politely. a nine, which gets me a 22. Roughly, but not exactly. The only way that you could think to describe it, and maybe it's just this place wearing on you or Robert's talk or all this, you know, nightmare, blah, 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 plane kind of thing, is it kind of reminds you of the way that when you have a dream that you're in your house, sometimes there's a door to a room that isn't there. I hate those dreams. It's close enough that it seems like it makes sense, but the details aren't there. Okay, we just need to pinch each other so we can wake up. Yep. Everyone get in a circle and then slap the person next to you. <laughs> All right, Rach, how does your whole uh, thing work? Well, that's what I was trying to read up on. So, I can perform a special sense at the site of a person's death, and then yeah. call forth the person's spirit into my body. Mm. Yeah, that gets into a, a weird area, because uh, outsiders are technically all one and the same. Which means when you kill them, you actually kill their spirit. So it's not like you go reach across the plains to tap their spirit. The You're, boneyard of the Lang folk. There is no boneyard of Lang, yeah. The specific wording on an outsider is, Outsider does not have a dual nature. Its soul and body are one unit. When an outsider is slain, no soul is set loose. Spells that restore souls to the body, such as raise dead, reincarnate, and resurrection, don't work on an outsider. I'm not trying to do that, though. Yeah, you're not technically trying to restore a soul to it. No, I'm just talking. I'm pulling their spirit into me and talking. Is it as per the spell, Call Spirit? It is. Ah, therein lies the rub. It is a conjuration spell. However, the effect says call the spirit of a single deceased humanoid creature. Yeah, I believe it's more the creature type. Hmm, so I can't talk to them? I would argue that you cannot, especially because this thing is destroyed, destroyed. You killed it on yeah. its home plane. Aw. Makes sense. Okay, well, loot its body then. Spitefully. <laughs> so, yeah, planchette, you go over, you check over its form. So unfortunately, these creatures don't actually have spirits, so I can't contact them. Oh. Well. We'll have to find humans that are dead. Or one or of humanoids. these that's alive. Or humans that's alive. Or kill them, and then I can talk to them. The human, but not one of these. Yes. Well, whatever works. Well, I don't see anybody nearby at all. It'll be unlikely that we find... Possibly some worshippers. Robert strokes its chin, but everything else here is probably going to be some form of outsider. The layout of the surrounding terrain is similar to that that was around the temple in our world. I'm... Depending on how things line up, we might be able to get back to on. Hmm. Sagira rifling through their pockets. Each of them are carrying seven rubies approximately the size of your thumb. I love it. Excellent. Nice. Uh, each one of these would be worth 250 gold apiece. Lovely. So in total, 14. Playing in addition rubies. to this, you do find something curious. Mm. One of the two is carrying what appears to be a, a rod. Not in the magical sense of a rod, but a metal stick approximately a foot and a half in overall length. Hmm. Capped on one end by, the, by a ruby and on the other end by what appear to be two prongs. Cattle prod. I found a fancy fork. I hold it up. Um, intriguing. Can I take a look at it to see if it has anything to do with any spells or other interesting phenomenon? Yeah, hand it over. That's it. Go ahead and make me a knowledge arcana. Sounds like a plan. Wow. All right. I roll an 18, uh, which gets me a 34. Dang. Yeah. I know a lot about arcana. With a 34. It is a tuning fork. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh. It For appears to be a forked metal rod attuned. 
Mm-hmm. You think this may be some sort of focus for the spell plane shift. Yeah. Ah. This is a rod that leads to the realm, or at the very, well, here, I suppose. Can we reverse it? Does it look like one of those divining uh, rods? Yeah, like a drowser rod almost. Technically, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking yeah. more like a, the fork you have for your steaks on the grill. <laughs> was what I was thinking. I think it's a tuning fork. It's it's a tuning fork on the end of this long metal rod. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I was thinking a divining rod. <laughs> Technically speaking, no. However, um, adjusting the rod in various ways could end you up to any number of places. The problem is that there's no way to know until you do it. I also okay. don't have the capabilities to transport us to another plane. And even if we could get back to the material plane, that method will give you a random place. We could end up in an ocean or an iceberg. To be fair, I'd rather be pretty much anywhere where we came from than here. But, I mean, it seems like this is just a fancy fork then. So, uh, at the moment, put it in the yes. Bag. Doesn't seem to be anything else to look at here, so. Speaking of looking at. Oh, no. Why did, no, why did I have to say something? Go ahead and give me a perception roll from the party. Uh-oh. Perception roll. Does this still count as a desert? Technically, uh, I think no, it's No, you're planer. extra planer now. Yep. You're no longer in the natural world. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. I get a 21 on my perception. Okay. Uh, I roll a 7 for a 14. Abyss rolls a 10 for a 22. Planchette got an 18 for a 31. I rolled a 5 for a 22. Dang. Yeah. I'm a half-elf. Um, I have the Hawkeye Archer ability, which adds directly to my perception. And um, some other thing, I think, that's giving me a So you're like full Legolas. Basically, yeah. Planchette's just paranoid. Jean <laughs> <laughs> Louise, you stand off towards the side. And see nothing. Dusting ash as often as you can off of your frock before it settles in or stains or anything like that. Let's be <laughs> honest. Either Sagira or Planchette at some point probably goes up to him, pats on him, and just rubs it in. Definitely. I'm just not I sure mean, which one of us. All it would of my be. silver is now uh, an ashy silver. So far, you've been too busy looting corpses and uh, attempting seances. The rest of you notice that for a moment, a shadow passes over the moon. After another moment, you hear this loud flapping. Uh oh. As all of you turn, Except for John Luis, who's still like licking his thumb and trying to rub the stain out of the edge of his coat. An elephant-sized beast settles in the courtyard. Oh dear. Something roughly akin to a skelly bird-like creature with a vaguely horse-like head and vast slime-encrusted wings. It was cute until that. The creature settles in. Not wholly bird or bat but some sort of hybrid thereof. Kind of like that. Oh, it is cute. Oh, it actually is cute. Aw, look at it. Bizarrely, its forelegs are smaller than its rear legs. Not really bizarre for most creatures. However, the wings seem to stretch from underneath flaps on its rear legs instead of its fore. A long tail wishes back and forth across the sand and dirt behind it. It turns to look over all of you. The creature shivers. On its back is an odd saddle. Oh. Something akin to a pagoda like you would see on an elephant. So cute. The creature eyes all of you curiously. Do any of you speak the Aklo tongue? Nope. Nope. No. No. Did I prepare tongues today? Nope. I speak nine languages, but not Aklo. Uh, any of those of you who wish may make me a knowledge arcana. Huh. Here's something we can kill in question. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, At the very least, while I don't know its language, I probably know what it is. Uh, well, something. Uh, 16 for a 32 knowledge arcana. Wow. Nice. With okay. a 32, this is a creature known as a Shantak. Oh. oh, no. Many Shantaks have a strange and irrational fear of certain creatures, such as the faceless night gaunt said to dwell in certain remote mountains or specific types of harpies or gargoyles in more civilized regions. Shantaks avoid confrontations with these types of creatures if possible. Shantaks are a species of flying bird-like creatures, larger than elephants in size, 
all you're really aware of them is that they're able to travel in the gulfs of space. However, most Shantaks are quite reluctant to actually seek out new worlds unless faced with no other option, uh, and are sometimes used as mounts or something akin to that by creatures of other planes. You may ask two questions pertaining towards the Shantak. First of all, are they intelligent? They are intelligent. They do not possess human level intelligence, but quite close. Hmm. You are also, I'll go ahead and give it to you since you did ask that, you are also aware that they do speak, although most of them only speak their native tongue, which is the Aklo tongue. Probably don't know any other languages. Hmm. All right. Traditionally, um, no. I mean, I guess I'll ask special attacks just in case it's got something weird it can do to us that we might want to watch out for. Really, the only thing they have a special attack as is that they can uh, use their four talons to grab creatures. Oh, cool. Good. Spiffy. From All what right, you understand, they are not exceptional fighters. Their preferred tactic is to grab creatures, fly them up to an extreme height, and then and let them go. I let gravity do the work. I let see. gravity do the rest. Like a shrike. Yeah. Fair, yep. fair. The creature hisses low towards all of you. It's a, it's a creature known as a Shantak. Shantak. Something like that. Is it going to kill us? I mean, if it was going to, it probably would have started already. It says that we called it. What? Robert, you can speak with this thing? It's speaking some form of the Aklotong. It's syntax is difficult and it's grammar what is, atrocious. What does it mean that we called it? We didn't call anyone. It says that you've called it. It hisses once again. The box? Oh, the box! It's like a whistle. That's what made Isra upset. Perhaps, yes. Ask us where it usually takes people from here. Robert steps forward, speaks these odd words. The creature hisses in response. Robert turns back slowly towards the rest of you to the foot of the mountain. Good a place to go as any. I don't suppose this creature can return us to the material plane. Or does it know how we could get back to the material plane? I don't... I mean, from what I know of them, they're not spellcasters of any kind. But if it usually takes people from here to the mountain, it means the other ones probably have some sort of base. The other ones, meaning the cloaked culty folks, probably have some sort of base. And then we can find them. They can maybe get us back. Robert nods. I think right now our concern should not be getting back. Most likely, our enemy is here. So, should we take our friend here to the base of the mountain? I mean, I'm game. Can he carry all of us? Or she? Or they? They're exceptionally strong creatures. I don't see why they couldn't. And they seem to have been equipped for such a venture. Uh, does our Shantak friend have a name? He turns back. In the time that you've been discussing, the Shantak has taken two steps closer. It cranes up its long, bird-like neck. It stares down with its black, almost empty eyes and its strange, boned, scaled horse face. It clicks its teeth and whispers something. It's asking for a sign. The yellow sign? Yeah, for real. No, um, not that one. The other one. Uh, Abyss <laughs> takes out the box and shows it to the creature. Like, hey, I have the box. It stares down towards Wolf, hisses again. Robert nods. It says that, yes, you have called it. It demands the sign of passage. Sign of passage. Anybody know that? Can we bribe it with a hunk of meat? I've got I some mean, rubies. <laughs> I have some rubies and I have a hunk of meat in my bag for the for Isra. Well, did we find anything? That Has anyone heard the cultists say anything that might be a sign of passage? Did you find anything on any of the cultists? They didn't really have anything. That you, I mean, we have the tuning fork. I guess we can show that, yes. Can you ting it? Although that's not going to be very helpful. It's not a sign of passage. Producing the rod, the creature turns its head, stares down towards Segur with one large eye. Oh, Hello. It clicks its tongue twice, kind of wiggles its behind as it settles down like a chicken on an egg. It's adorable. Before settling into place. I think you found the sign. I take it back. This is definitely the sign. Ah, good enough for me. I don't want to be here anymore. Just be cautious. These things like to drop prey from a great height and then feast upon their entrails once they've crashed into the bottom. Well, I imagine ah. it doesn't do that with the passengers. I don't think so. Hey, what's life without a little risk? <laughs> Can it carry all of us? 
Uh, the creature appears to be able to carry up to 12 passengers. Oh, dang. <laughs> Convenient for such a large party to have found such a large means of conveyance. If it seems to accept the tuning fork as passage, all right. I'm just going to say, huge-sized creatures get a considerable boost to the amount that they can carry just by nature of being huge-sized, so... Mm. If important, I can't fly. Falto nods. I can't either. We're going to have to take our chances. Um, I also have no magics to help us in the air. Nor do I. Well, it's outside of my ability as well. This is why you take a wizard. This should be an interesting expedition then. Mm. All right. All aboard the Shantak Express. Woohoo! I could provide one of you the ability to speak with the creature as well, if you prefer. I'm not very diplomatic. Hmm. (laughs) I have a 16 diplomacy. Good grief. It's pretty good. I think the only one in the party besides perhaps Robert and or Falto. If you would like, I can give you the ability to speak to it for an hour or two. Sure. I'm sure we'll have plenty to speak about. The creature hisses as all of you approach in a weird hissing, clicking, speaking. Robert nods. He says to watch your step. So polite. I heft up my cat and climb on board. (laughs) <laughs> it is actually surprisingly difficult, uh, probably as Sagira realizes as she steps forward, as the creature's scales literally secrete a slippery slime, which covers Ooh. its body. Gross. you got to get yourself a stepladder, friend. One of those little roll ladders that you, like, push off of a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've been <laughs> requesting it forever. <laughs> the budget just hasn't been there for it. I we make them a rope ladder, and we leave them with that as a gift. Hmm. They keep spending it all on rubies. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they're spending their money to buy rubies. <laughs> yep. I love it. I just it. imagine they mined it out of somewhere. Nope. <laughs> you I- clamber your way up onto the back of this thing. It shivers and shakes as it stands up to its feet, slime slothing off of its sides. It clicks its tongue softly, and you feel this odd sensation roll over. All of you. Suddenly it's not cold anymore. Excellent. These things can actually fly in space. Yeah, I figure like Planchette is just like chatting this thing up the whole time. Like, where are you from? Where were you born? Like, where have you lived? Like, like all the 20 questions. Like, she's you ever just been to the moon? What's the moon having like? a great time. Sarah <laughs> pulls out a bottle of fine wine, cracks it open, and, and we'll drink it slash share it with the group on our fun party boat here. Sagira's <laughs> bringing the party with her. I suppose all of you grab on as the thing, you know, hisses back, Planchette now understanding. Hold on tight. Before the thing spreads its wings and launches itself into the air with a shockingly smooth and graceful motion. (laughs) Despite the large wings, despite its almost ungainly appearance and form, the thing flies with surprising grace. To the point that other than a gentle rocking back and forth, back and forth, your ride is comfortable. Inside of the pagoda on the back of this are curtains which surround you on on every side. Although the curtains have been pulled back right now, they can be dropped into place, as well as hooked into place to provide you some shelter. Surprisingly, no wind reaches you. And again, the cold is gone. As an odd side note, probably only notable to, like, Sagira, she crocks, cracks open her bottle of wine, takes, you know, a gulp, a second gulp, a third gulp. <laughs> probably pauses, finishes the fourth, Puts the bottle back down. You don't appear to need to breathe. Oh, man. We could have a great drinking contest up here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be the sloppy by the, the time person. we get to our destination. <laughs> I only have the one bottle, so it is what it is. Blanchette, you're able to have a uh, polite conversation with the creature. And that it just seems to be generally willing to chat things up with you. Talk about stuff. Not really. I'm from uh, the moon. I have a sister. We don't yep. talk. Not since the incident. Mm. She knows what she did. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, yeah, there's a charging cable in the back. I uh, also have some water bottles stashed back there if you need any. I can put uh, some tunes on if you tell me what mm-hmm. kind of music you like. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget to like and uh, give me a five-star rating. Mm-hmm. You take to the air and begin to glide effortlessly over this desert, this plateau. As you fly higher, I imagine all of you settle in. 
below you see a wide expanse passing beneath you. Oddly, in the distance, you can't make out detail, but you can see that there seem to be an odd, it's hard to describe. Like the furthest horizon south, assuming that direction still makes sense here. Hmm. Like these mounds. They're too regular in size to be naturally occurring and are so far away that you can't make out detail, although they vaguely seem like hooded figures. Hmm. Although hmm. They, if they were hooded figures, they would be hooded figures standing at the height of mountains. Weird. There's a dog park. I'm out of here. <laughs> can we see the mountains? As you begin to fly, you can see the mountain. Straight north, or at the very least opposite of the direction of the hooded monolithic figures, you can see a mountain of impossible size. So far away right now that you feel like you're only seeing the peak of it over the horizon. Hmm. Robert settles in and nods. If this is taking us to where Samir is, then hopefully there's still time to stop him. It will not be an easy thing, but it seems like our odds have gone up substantially. Do you know anything about this mountain? I know some pertaining towards the Nightmare Realm of Ling. It's a cold, desolate world, populated by inscrutable entities. It's finite in size, not infinite as many of the other planes. It's contained, if you will. The vast wasteland below us is the plateau. It's nestled between two mountain ranges that converge at the most distant point of the Dreaming Shore, in a region known as the Cold Waste in the Dream Worlds. Night Gaunts, Ling Hounds, Ling spiders, the denizens, all call this place home. There are scattered villages. These are where those that get lost here remain. Hmm. It can sometimes happen to people in the mortal world. Study of certain tomes and unspeakable texts can lead to nightmares. It can open a portal inside of one's mind, if you will, where their ethereal, where their ethereal spirit, this, this ethereal presence inside of them, this animating force, if you will, can exit their body. Sometimes if the silver strand that connects them back to their dreaming body is severed, then their dreaming mind and spirit can be lost. The body remains comatose but alive. The spirit is lost here. Hmm. These are the kind of things that are very dangerous and the Pathfinders, when we find them, we bring them to the Grand Lodge and lock them away. Yes, because putting a bunch of dangerous things in one big room sounds like a fantastic idea. She has points. Mm. I mean, it is a somewhat dubious defense, but then again, it's hard to know whether that or just hoping nobody stumbles across it is going to be safer. Well, it is either that or destroy it, but mm. eh, a lot of us don't like to destroy knowledge. I feel like destroying um, it is usually the best tact. Sometimes destroying it isn't possible either. Ah, oh, true. I'll allow a sense motive from the party if they wish. This is going to be a laugh and a For half. For Sagira's sake, it is on a human. Aha! Plus two. Bonus, baby. Uh, I get a 28. I rolled a 14. You get a 16 for a 23? Uh, 15 for a 25. was an 18 for a 31. I rolled a 19 for a 20. It's <laughs> not trusting. Exactly. Sagira Planchette. Imagine 25 casting 25 didn't make it? Dang. 25 did not succeed. Dang. Dang. You see... These two Pathfinders kind of discussing this, you know, looking at one another, neither of them paying attention to Robert in the corner of their eye. Robert, however, gives a pointed look back over towards Falto. The swashbuckler just takes a long swig of the bottle of wine to cover, you know, the mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just kind of passes the bottle along. You get the distinct impression that they have no intention to hand this over to the Pathfinders. You also maybe get the impression that they have not discussed this with the Pathfinders. Oh, that's... I make eye contact with Planchette and I'm just like, I arc like one brow in like a, ooh, drama. Yeah, <laughs> she returns the brow raise. <laughs> wolf, wolf and the Asper just make it out off to the side. They're making googly <laughs> eyes at each other and something else. Making googly eyes at each other. They're in one corner cuddling. They're over here in goth heaven <laughs> flying on a demon bat through the night exactly. sky. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's, uh, that's so <laughs> romantic. They, that's probably oh exactly what they're both thinking, too. It's a cover of A Whole New World, but it's like metal. <laughs> like the gothy version. A whole version. new world. I can show you the world. Ta, 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 ta. <laughs> yeah, but they, they're not paying any attention, glancing out over the sides and being like, this place is kind of cool. <laughs> the Lincoln Park cover. The ashen rain really brings out the soullessness in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Robert shakes his head. We are getting ahead of ourselves, though. We need to defeat and bind it first. And find a way out of this place. Are we assuming that there, that it came through the portal as well? The Haunter of the Dark, the Servant of the Crawling Chaos, is, is attempting to realize its utmost strength. It seems to have found a place either naturally occurring or made a place that connect, connects the nightmare to our world. It's quite possible that it's growing power here. Our world already has enough nightmares. We don't mm -hmm. need to add more to it. Tell that to Samir, then. I intend to. I usually speak my mind when I think it needs to be heard. Huh? In truth, what we really need to know is that we're bound now for the mountain, the central peak. The true horrors of Din's mountains increase as we draw closer to this peak. On the top of the mountain, is the place that we should not go. Hopefully, our destination does not lie there. What's on top of the mountain? Kadath, the dream city. I want to go to Kadath. No, you that's don't. You can go by yourself. That's, that's Heather, <laughs> not Abyss. Well, now that you've put that out there, we're probably going to end up having to go. <laughs> I really hope we don't. I Kadoth think that just jinxed us. Kadath is the dwelling place of the crawling chaos, as in the literal embodiment of it. Not one of its avatars, but the creature You're itself. You're saying the Black Pharaoh is in this city. It's the equivalent of what Miss Abyss. Mm. What deity do you worship? I don't. Ah, very well. <laughs> Any other takers? Abadah, do Abadah. <laughs> the equivalent would be the assumption that we are in Axis. Axis would be a plane, much less akin as the dream is a plane. The first vault is a demiplane within Axis, much as the nightmare plane or the nightmare plateau here is a demiplane within the dreamlands. Abadar himself lives in the first vault. I see. And the crawling chaos lives here. <sighs> you know, I'm not really ready to fight a god. I don't think we can fight a god. If we do not speak his name, we should avoid his attention. I mean, if we did fight a god, and I got to shoot him with my crossbow. I mean, if we have to die, not the worst way, but I'm aiming not to die, personally. Well, no, I'm not aiming for it, but I'm just saying, as far as ways to go, being killed by a god is at least impressive. True, and then if you actually get to go to the boneyard after you die, then you have a story, you know? Exactly. I don't think they exactly collect stories from the petitioners on the boneyard. Have you been there? Well, no. Then how do you know? Religious text says so. Eh, that's just people writing stuff down. Actually, totally not true because this, the story did collect your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know this. I don't know nothing about nothing. Planchette actually follows for asthma. <laughs> so oh, nice. Just, nobody <laughs> knows this because she doesn't reveal things about herself. <laughs> The Shantuck said he was taking us to the base of the mountain, so we can assume that we're not going anywhere near Kadath. Oh, yeah, he's at the base, so... Yes, and the mountain is impossibly high. I'm not climbing a mountain today. Did we get the Shantuck's name? Nope. Yes, you did. It is unpronounceable. Is it something that I could give a nickname to? Unpronounceable and unknowable. You could shorten it to... S I'm going to call him Sid. Nice. Sure. Now you have me thinking that he's, uh, isn't the, what's that thing in Ice Age that his name Sid. is Sid? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking the he's mean the kid in Toy Story. Okay, yeah, the sloth. Yeah, you're making me think of the sloth. My mind went to Final Fantasy, but anyway. Mm. Oh, yeah. The Shantak glides stealthily through the sky and begins to approach towards the massive peak. Robert watches as it approaches, settles back down. We'll have some time. I suggest that we all ready ourselves. True. Robert sits down you know, a few feet away from Segura. I suppose the goth kids still staring lovingly into one another's eyes. Yep. <laughs> Falto staring entranced as Planchette pulls out a Ouija board. 
<laughs> Communes with the spirits of this plane. She probably more likely has a tarot deck than a Ouija board, because Ouija boards are cumbersome. Also, you so. are plant chat, and that would just be silly. Exactly. You I'm just stick your own finger over it. And just... I mean, I wouldn't put it past <laughs> her to have, like, letters, like, tattooed on her hand or something. Oh, that'd be Weird. cool. Weird. You know, the Pathfinders sit over towards the side, you know, deciding on the exact phrasing for what they're going to put in their, uh, you know, their report portion of their cooperation. Yeah, we, we pulled out our notebooks <laughs> and we're, like, drafting things and, like, throwing paper off the side. I need another word for unspeakable. <laughs> I've got it. Unnameable. Um, the Shantek flies low over the desert. Falto whistles a jaunty tune as you make your way having determined that he can whistle indefinitely with no need to breathe. <laughs> no, because you'd still have to pull in the air. Yeah, I was like, you still need to pull in the... Well, no, it, well, it, but it's all magical effects, so it probably means that we have an infinite supply of air in our lungs. Somebody give him the wine. <laughs> I, I'm sure Abyss shoots him a dirty look for ruining the uber-goth atmosphere. <laughs> oh, keep going. That's a nice tune. <laughs> Don't encourage him. But it's a nice tune. Would you be happier if I whistled the soundtrack to Nightmare Before Christmas? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Shantek flies lower. Hours have passed. It's difficult to tell. The moon has moved. But you also don't know if the moon necessarily moves at the same speed through the sky here as it does in your world. Long enough has passed that all of you have gotten hungry enough that I imagine you pulled out some trail rations and eaten. Yeah, sure. Probably. Yeah, sounds good. Some of you have probably catnapped a little bit. Israel, especially. Oh, yeah, Israel's like <laughs> all the time. Catnap. Just going from person to person to get belly rubs. I mean, let's be honest, Planchette wouldn't stop. She's like chill chilling, like talking with her Shantak buddy and just petting the cat. Like, she's <laughs> perfectly happy. Eventually, the duration on your tongues does expire. Although it's not long after that where the mountain has gone from being a peak in the distance to steadily growing. To the point now that if you look north, it seems to take up the entirety of the northern horizon. Eventually, you begin to descend down towards some form of black edifice. It almost looks comedically undersized in the shadow of this mountain. And yet, as you approach closer, you can tell that it's a large structure, although its exact dimensions are difficult to determine. Not because of any weird non-Euclidean geometry stuff but just in that the stone is so dark it actually seems to be drinking in the moonlight. Hmm. You can tell its outline, but none of its exact contours. A ring of standing stones sits at the base of the structure with a wide set of steps ascending up to the front entrance. The Shantak settles down inside of these monolithic stones, each at least five times your height. Hmm. There seem to be 13 of them in total. In the gap between two, Sand and ash-covered stones lead their way up to a set of steps that ascends up towards the side of this building. Mm. The Shantak lands, does its little wiggle, and settles back down. Supposed to slide off. Oh, it's mm -hmm. covered in goose, so it's a little slip and slide down. Yep. It's like the little uh, inflatable thing that shoots off the side of airplanes during emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the lift, buddy. He gives you a little thumbs up with his front claw. I have to say that was one of the str more strange but pleasant experiences. That's probably the end of pleasantness while we're here. Abyss yeah. looks over at Valmir. Can we get one of these, you think? Segura just like side eyes, <laughs> like, what the heck? I don't know where we would keep it. We could figure it out. The Necropolis is big. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real real estate development opportunity right now. There's a new pyramid that we don't know about. <laughs> you guys could turn into Shantak breeders and, uh, you know. Travel the skies. Tra travel the stars. That's pretty cool. But I guess Abyss will take a spot towards the front of the group to keep her, her eye on for traps. On the prize, I was thought. Yep. On Valmir's booty. No, he's well, not in the front. But I guess up the stairs. It's like, good point, Valmir, go to the front. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you have trap finding too it's fine alright yeah. let's do it we pull some weapons and we head forth mm -hmm. definitely not going forward without weapons well, yeah I don't think we're going to convince anybody we're not hostile and even if we did that wouldn't really get us I, anywhere I just assume they're all hostile more than anything 
Well, yes, yeah. They brought us to this hellscape. Hello, we're here to join the cult, maybe? <laughs> Do you have any informative Avon, pamphlets? <laughs> I'd like one pamphlet, please. The stairs are wide, at the very least here at the base. Wide enough that honestly, you guys can walk about four or five abreast if you want to. As you ascend up the stairs, you find that they almost imperceptibly narrow to the point that eventually someone has to fall back in step to the point where it's three people ascending. And then someone has to fall back in step to the point where it's two. And then eventually you're relegated to single file ascending up these stairs. The wind whistles past you, bitingly cold now that you're away from the Shantak and it's whatever protective aura. And as you ascend up the steps, you get this disconcerting sensation. Again, staring down, the stairs are so dark that they drink in the light, even from your spells as you ascend. Mm. To the point that it makes difficult makes it difficult to tell exactly where you should step next. And other than the ash that's collected in the crevices and creases of the stairs, it's hard to determine their exact contour. Ascending up further, you begin to approach a large entrance. And by large, I mean it's from one side to the other only about eight feet across, but close to 20 feet in height. Wow. Slenderman lives here. <laughs> I believe it. The stone here is marked with what appear to be numerous hieroglyphs. Do I recognize the language? Uh, looking over this, it appears to be written in ancient Osiriani. Hey! I speak that. So does Abyss. Hmm? So does Isaac. Did Sigaric ever learn ancient Assyriani? No. Oh. She knows Assyriani, Terran, and Common. We had this conversation. <laughs> yep. Abyss, I believe you're at point. Yep. Abandon all hope, all ye who enter here. Abyss, reading over the hieroglyphs. It seems to be a story. It relates various tales of the dark god Narlathotep. And seems to be stories of the time of darkness an age of black when the ancient tribes of Osirian cried out and worshipped him to save them from the dark you may make a linguistics check my linguistics isn't super high but I do have a rank in it as a side note the drop off the sides of this thing seems to be close to about 150 feet mm. uh, and there is no there are no railings on these stairs mm. what is with no railings in this world I roll a 15, which gets me a 17. There is something odd about this. It's like there's a subtle pattern, but you can't make it out. As if they're pieced together. It's almost like there were hieroglyphs originally on this, and then someone carved this new story over the top of them. Can I try to look for myself? Uh oh, no? you're reading the forbidden knowledge. Yeah, you can wiggle your way past if you want We've to. We've entered Call of Cthulhu land. You don't yep, want to succeed on knowledge checks. If there's something odd. It's like... This story about the dark times and how the Black Pharaoh came to the aid of the Assyriani people to save them from the darkness is written over another story? I mean, that's not that odd. weird. Didn't they do that in pyramids and stuff? But it's an odd pattern. I actually don't have linguistics, so I can't. Um, I really net 20. Odd pattern. Put Rachel on it. True. Planchette, you make your way forward. Run your nimble fingers over the edge of some of these worn-away hieroglyphs. For the rest of you, she seems to cock her head oddly, almost as if listening to someone, like a voice on the wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. You were right about a pattern. They form a statement, but I'm honestly hesitant to actually read it out loud. Write it down. We can read it. I just worry that it's kind of one of those things that if you put it out into the universe, it will be disastrous. Paraphrase. Uh, really strong gods, bad breath can bring forth death and monsters. And madness. Same god? I think so. Huh. Maybe, is it like a trap? Don't know. I don't see anything. Doesn't sound like anything I'm familiar with. Okay, so... Um, be ready in case this goes really badly. You may have to say it to open the door. I'm gonna read it. Mighty is the god whose breath brings death and whose form brings madness. The air oh. grows still. Uh-oh. Very 
very distantly, almost coming from above, as if from the mountain, you hear the distant sound of flutes. I think I woke something up. The stone grinds slowly down, sinking into the structure with this oddly reverberant sound, like echoes down a well. There's not a color we can't describe down there, is there? <laughs> Why, yes, yes, there is. No! Oh, Wait, seriously? No. no. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be super bad for us. Mm hmm. A passageway stretches ahead. Anyone else is ready to see the mighty god before me? Well, and Planchette steps that's aside. Me. <laughs> that is you. I'll be behind you. As the children say, not it. All these brave, brave men. Abyss makes starts to make her way forward. <laughs> There's one thing we've learned in these side stories is that the ladies are really the brave ones. I'm very much a survivalist. I'm right behind you, Falmir says. I know you are. Falmir, of course, noting that you're a more martial character than he is and therefore not taking point. Yep. <laughs> He's one of those modern men that accepts when his woman is stronger than him. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bow. <laughs> you queue up, making your way, one after the next, after the next, as you steadily step beneath the arch and into the strange structure. Abyss, as you step forward, you see ahead of you what seems to be a small room. And there, off towards your side, you see a depiction of what appears to be an Osiriani statue. But its face... There's something terribly wrong with its face. I'll pick it up here next time. But what's wrong with its face? <laughs> there was no face. Oh. I just I just need to make a will save. Everyone bless your Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mommy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.